Welcome to the second episode of the Peter Stone Brown podcast. Uh, this one features an interview with James Brown, uh, the date unknown, probably early 80s, and it's part of a press conference. Um, there were other music critics there, including uh, Philadelphia Evening Bulletin's Matt Damsker, who's also known for interviewing Dylan uh, in 77 or 78, I believe. Uh, there was also a reporter from the Philadelphia Inquirer there, and Peter's good friend and fellow DJ Matt Berg was also present. Hope you all enjoy. How you doing? Fine. Fine. You got it running, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Uh, how did you first start out? <laughs> well, that's a long story. That goes back to. Uh, kind of a long line of playing at uh, talent shows, theaters, and what have you. And uh, coming from a very poor family, having to dance for the soldiers and to make money to pay rent, kind of built my talent up, you know, through necessity and survival. And so when we started talent shows, it was kind of easy for me to win. I won so many times, so I guess I just got tired of them and decided to let me make it. James, you know, I was listening to your new record. It's real exciting. Which regrets, uh, that the phone's low. Yeah. No, one is just that. Well, you had a whole album? Yeah. Yeah. People. Mm-hmm. People. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, my music, it's kind of hard to have a direction uh-huh. because of the fact that uh, my past is caught up with me and all of the kids, the rock clubs and everything. It's so crazy about my older stuff. And that we just got a, just recorded a live album. Uh, went to Japan, we had the best facilities in the world. And uh-huh. It'll be out next of the original James Brown sound, which new arrangements. You, you had a band in that, just what I'm talking about. All the excitement that, that, that the entertainment needs today. But by the same token, I like the studio recording. It was produced by Brad Shapiro, was fantastic. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm one who kind of want to do it all. Uh, I don't want to have just one direction. I think the main direction that I'm going in today is what uh, the country has ceased to go in, in the direction of entertainment. I decided to come back out and entertain the people. They need to be entertained, that's all. Do you feel that's, as opposed to the disco thing, which is strictly sort of a recorded dance? Uh... Yeah, well, disco gave people a chance to dance. They'd been sitting down for about 15 years, so they wanted to dance. Yeah, they wanted to dance. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, think, I think what'll happen today is uh, you'll have uh, uh, dance concerts, you know. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, yeah, you'll be playing live and then they'll dance, and the ones that want to sit, they'll sit. Now, if you're, if you're hot enough, you keep them standing. If you're not, then they'll sit down. That'll be a bad. That'd be kind of bad for you to sit down. Yeah, sure. It's hard well, to sit down. Sit down, sit down, down on your music. <laughs> Thank you, James. I uh, I interviewed a few people uh, uh, outside in the uh, in the bar, and uh, a number of them told me that uh, you, James Brown, meant quite a number of black people. Told me that you, as an individual, meant quite a bit to their life. Yes. And that. Uh, your inspiration and, and, and the whole soul drive, you know, really kept them going for a while. Yeah. 
Do you, uh, did you ever have that as an intent? Well, it was my intent to contribute to humanity. And uh, I just didn't want to be just black people. But I, however, I wanted to do what I could uh, for people, because people made me what I am today. Uh, I think that's everyone's duty. However, uh, uh, I, I thank God giving me a talent to entertain people, to try to make them forget their problems or whatever, or kind of help them to uh, get themselves going and, and reorganize themselves or what have you. So that's really where I'm at, about entertaining and trying to give back and keep the energy going for people. But James, a lot, flow. a lot of people came through your band, like uh, Bootsy and uh, Fred Wesley and the Horns. Uh, yes. What do you think of the kind of music that, that they're making now, the younger people, or even someone like James Chance? Have you heard him? No, I haven't, but uh, what it is, uh, you fellas, uh, youngsters, just kind of come along a little late. Uh, the things that <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it earlier with uh, the owner of this, uh, of this club who I've known for quite a while. Uh, naturally, being young at heart or being people at heart, human, uh, if you see me around the house, you'd see how I feel because I would probably come with my boots on and, and my western hat and my denims and things. But traveling, you know, I know I'm in a lot of bags and family like me, so sometimes I put my suit on and bust a car over. Sometimes if I'm taking care of business, I'm going to take care of business. Uh, a little bit more sophisticated, but uh, uh, what Boots and them are doing is just some of the things they learned from me. Uh, and they want a direction that they want to go into. Uh, however, Fred, uh, I talked to Fred a while back, he would like to come back and rejoin the group because uh, he sees some things he'd like to do. and. Uh, he don't get a chance to do them out there because uh, he went out, he took something out there uh, to do his own thing, but he also wanted to find something when he went out there. And all he wanted able to find anything because what he took out there, he, had, he was the only one had it, you know, <coughs> coming from this group, you know, so he kind of wanted to get back to the tree and get a little bit more energy, I guess. Uh, your heyday when you were uh, as big as, as you've ever been was during the time of the Motown uh, music, uh, Diana Ross Supremes and, and music like that, a lot of the people that in the industry at that time have, Little Anthony, people like that, have sort of fallen off as far as giving performances and, and cutting albums, but you're still, you're still cooking. What, uh, what do you attribute that to? Well, I don't believe in heydays. <laughs> Everything's a heyday. Right? No, it's not. Yeah, that's right. Every day is a heyday. It's according to how you feel. What I did, I, I uh, curved myself to a uh, the movie industry, because then that's the next step. It's like uh, being a district leader and your city councilman from there to state representative, from there to governor, what have you. You just want to graduate, and I just keep trying to graduate from different things. I have, I'm going heavy in the films, you know. You're going to be, you have film projects cooking? A lot of them. And for uh, doing the music or appearing? Well, see, when I do, see, I'm like a guarantee for a major uh, film conglomerate, like a Winter Central, uh, uh, Warner Bros, uh, Columbia, what have you, Universal Pitch, who are diversified in the records as well. If you put me uh, in a film, what you have right away is a multi-million dollar soundtrack. So the picture can't be a flop, because if I do the soundtrack, <laughs> then you got the records going for you. See, so what you have, you have yourself going audio and visual video at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
you know. And this is more for you. I, I think all entertainers should try to develop themselves and organize themselves into a point where they can graduate from just being... What I did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 5 years ago, and uh, some of the promotion things that I'm doing now is just like uh, building myself. It's kind of a training ground for where I'm going because when you walk on a, on a set, you got to be able to memorize and sight read, and, you know, and keep it flowing and, and still be able to maintain your rhythm and, and so many other things involved. But see if you just get into the business. Can you imagine a disco person trying to be an actor? You know, it just, they don't ever get a chance to learn how to perform on stage. That's what I was telling you guys, you see, you missed the best part of it, you know, because when people perform and really do it, like when you see this band out here tonight, you'll see what I'm talking about. When you see us perform, you see a production. I've seen a... We're going to see the James Brown... Uh, the, the, the legendary James Brown, the James Brown... You're going to see James Brown. You're going to see James Brown, period. When I die, I die. Well, I think I yet live. So you're going to see James Brown. So, I mean, there isn't a fundamental change in the kind of energy you put out. I mean, in as much as I might hear a slicker sound on the records, I'm not necessarily going to hear a... Uh, I'm going to not necessarily see a, a more soft-pedaled version of what no. uh, you used to do at the Uptown Theater. You're going to see the James Brown that you remember, and you may see one be a little bit more, I may have a, a little bit better idea what I'm going to uh -huh. do. When that day I was searching, like I say, it was kind of a training ground. Yeah, you I know, understand. it's like, uh, you see me do uh, bit pieces in, the, in, in films today, and a year from now you, you, see, them, you see me doing leads. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. It just takes time. And I don't mind. I just thank God we got a country that we can uh, can do that in, you know? It gives you that opportunity. Because it could be the other way around where you don't get the opportunity. James, James. what about the experience of, uh, of being in films? I understand you just did a film with uh, the Blues Brothers, the Ackroyd, and, uh, and Bellucci. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, man. Yeah? I'm fortunate. I thank God. I mean, I'm, I'm probably in the biggest, they figure it's going to be an all-time thing, you know? How are you doing? They're going to do a... Come right in, Mr. Wood. They believe they're going to have um, uh, And I think so, too. There's one thing about it, it's going to be a world film. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. good, you know. And that's, that's what I was talking about myself. It was good for me, the fact that I'm known all over the world, you know. I, when I walk out on stage here, it's about 10% of the reception that I get in Italy, or Israel, or Africa, or Germany, France, or, Australia, you know, like I'm 100% bigger there than I am here. Is that because you haven't been there that much and people are so much more accustomed to you here? Uh, they are taught music appreciation in depth. Could you talk about your uh, the routine you have in closing your shows, how that came out? Uh, um, listeners would be interested in that story. That's um, I kind of we, we ran into it by luck. Uh, strictly from the soul, it came, and then after that, it become a, a documented part that uh, it always went over real good. But it was it was really um it's it kinda come by accident. It, it came by accident, you know. 
I was doing real well, and I fell through a t- towel around my uh, waist and around my shoulder, and I uh, threw it off and ran back and kind of got to the people. So then we said we get a rose, and it just kept getting better and better, and it became a legendary part of the act, and it's kind of hard to quit. At one point, I got kind of tired and wouldn't do it, you know. Like at one point, I quit doing Please, Please. And that was kind of a mistake, but you live in your life. It's a training ground. And you find out the strong things that you need to do, so you keep on doing it. You know, bust up a winning combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like using James or Ian Brown over there. <laughs> <laughs> How many weeks of the year do you, uh, have you been working the past the couple of years? past couple of years, um, I've been averaging five, six months out of the year. Uh, but I work all the time, uh, just a different approach. Uh, it's more or less with the mind, uh, other than just the physical end of it, because I find myself uh, doing a lot of planning, uh, more or less rehearsing myself, disciplining myself, you know, getting myself ready for films. But films takes a lot of discipline. I mean, I study so hard till my sight is blacked out doing the lines I was doing, you know, it's, it's really a hard thing, you know. Where do you make your home now? In the South. I live in the South. In the South? Yes. Any particular area uh, yeah. in the South? Okay. I live in Georgia, South Carolina. It's kind of a borderline thing there. On both sides of the line. Georgia, Augusta. Do you still get a, as much fan harassment as you used to? Yeah, I can't eat. If I go to eat someplace, I, I, <laughs> we have some fun. We, we, I was doing the soundtrack, finished doing some of the soundtrack, uh, and I just left Belucci and was watched some of the screening. And I went, decided I'd go to some of the old places. I went on 42nd and 6th, and 6th Avenue. And I thought I was going to get out and get some hot dogs, because I liked that, you know. Yeah, I tried that. I got out and we stayed out, I stayed out about five minutes. And, and that was the end of it for me. I kind of get the same thing that Elvis got all his life. You know, we come from that area where we... We kind of penetrate on the people and work very hard and we made ourselves real stars. Thank God that uh, every time they see me, it rings bells and people want to think, they think about it, they ask me about some tune or some performance I did. You still and, enjoy uh, it though, don't you? You always enjoy it. When I quit enjoying it, I quit being human. James, you could have been a star some other ways. You were almost a, a you were a baseball player. Yeah, I could have been a big star playing baseball. I wouldn't have lasted long, I don't think. I had a chance to, I had three professional fights, so I know I wouldn't have mastered that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to fight somebody yeah. like Ali or, or <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard. A little bit out of your weight class. Kill. <laughs> what about Belushi and Aykroyd? I mean, here they are too. They're as white as white can be, I guess. He come from up in Canada, Belushi, Belushi's in Albania. They know every arrangement that I, that I got on my bandstand. They know everyone? Damn cats are super talented. They really, in other words, they are serious talented. about it. They're dead into the music. Those cats are talented, man. I'm out there doing my... Okay, I, my, my part of the of uh, Blues Brothers, well, I was a minister, yeah. okay? Totally away from where, I was, where I'm at, you know, in the music world, which I, of course, I started in the church. Uh-huh. But I'm out there trying to get my sermon together, and these cats hung up, humming the rings, Mr. Powell's got a brand new bag off. <laughs> Ain't that a groove? I feel good. They know it all, man. But they're not pretenders, no. Way. No, they're man. really. Uh, Dan Aykroyd plays harmonica, man, as good as Muddy Waters, uh-huh. you know. And, and uh, Manucci plays drums, and he knows all the songs, and knows the original keys, and sang them, and you know he's 
They're real talented people. A lot of, lot of nervous energy there because they're doing everything. But they're very successful and they should be. Is it a funny movie? Is it, a, is it, is it more musical than it is funny? Did you it's funny. It's entertainment, number one. Uh-huh. But it has a beautiful story that's saving an orphanage, you know? Yeah. And that's uh, kind of the thing that made me feel very good because I feel it's uh, a distant orphan. I was a, dis- a distant orphan myself, you know, when I say distant. Come from a very poor family. The only thing I had to do was go to the orphan because I was <laughs> I was doing the same thing. My happiness was the same. I was dependent upon people, you know, mm-hmm. helping me come along. Uh, family kind of separated and we were very poor and they uneducated and they couldn't really get jobs. Kind of rough. So I had a, a deep feeling for that and, and seeing and coming out of that type of area. Mm-hmm. They uh, were little kids that, were grew, that grew up in orphan and, and they got grown and they kind of got straight. I went and got myself in trouble. And uh, when they got out of trouble, they found the office was up for sale, so they were wanted to save the office, so they wanted to go out and rob some more banks. They say, you can't do it that way. I do it another way. So they said, well, let the entertain and do it. So somebody talked to me and coming by my church, and I saved their soul, and like I'm going to do y'all tonight. <laughs> Did you work with Junior Wells in that movie? Uh-huh. Did you work with Junior Wells? Was he in that in the Blues Brothers movie with you? He went uh, in, in another part. What the was there? It'll all come together. Because there there was a period of, of back in the '60s at one point where I felt that your music was having an incredible effect on what Junior Wells was doing at the yeah. time. Yeah. You know, he put out some of those albums. Yeah. yeah. And did did his music affect uh, you at all? Were you affected by Chicago blues, or did your music come out of uh, something totally different. I think it looked different. I come uh, a lot of earth in mine and uh, uh, in the major cities you didn't have as much earth going for you, you know. Uh, you don't get a chance to see the skyscrapers and, and all those things and so your mind goes in a different direction. Mine comes a lot from nature and it's a lot of earth in there. You know? if, I, if I was raised up in Philly or uh, New York, I think I'd have been a lot, my approach would have been a lot different, you know, because I would have been going from yesterday for a lot of things. But I had a chance to actually to experience a lot of things, you know. Even my kids, you know, they um, think totally different the way I think. For as music's concerned, they have their own soul, but uh, they don't get it. They don't get it as earth as I get it. Are they looking forward to a career in music as well? Um, not having to try as hard, but maybe. Smaller kids may do it, you know, because they seem to be a little bit more concerned. Uh, but uh, the older kids, I don't think they're going to get into music. Would you care if they did? Would you sort of advise them against it? Do something more? I advise them to do anything they can to, to eat as long as it's legal. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you better let Butterball in here. You better let Butter in here. No. <laughs> Hey man, how you doing? Are you give me a hug? All right. How you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? I didn't mean to interrupt your interview. I thought George was in there. He's in there. No. Oh. How you feel? No, I'm fine, bro. You're not playing my record. I'm mad at you. Man, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. You know I'm playing that record. All right. Do you hear me? Uh, yeah. James, I was going to ask, um, Again, back, back to, you don't like the expression heyday, but back to the day where your albums sold more than they ever did before. 
Uh, do you think you, you had any... Uh, That's where you confuse. They sell more now. They sell more now? During that, those days, I was, I, I was not a world act. See, every time I bring a record, I'm being with Polydor Records. When I bring a record out, can you imagine kids in Africa got an arm full of James Brown records on his arm and don't have the current to play them? They have to walk maybe 20 miles to get the records played? See, he didn't have that then. That's what I tell you. If I stepped off a plane in Athens, Greece, nobody would know who I was. Today, you'd have to get the security to get me on. You see, uh, again, I say, in this country, uh, we are not taught enough about worldly things, you know. Uh, and we should know how the athletes or personalized or whatever, how they're doing throughout the world. You know, like I said, I, I went to Italy and hadn't played there in 10 years and uh, wound up playing 29 one-nighters in that country. You know, Italy's about the size of Georgia, right? Yeah, and I find myself playing 29 one-nighters. You almost can't play 29 one-nighters in the United States. As big as the United States is. James, you can go to France and, uh, well, in this country, you can't get your albums recorded in the Apollo Theater, live at the Apollo. Not available in France. But yeah. I was just there to say, That's the difference. Yeah, a lot of things are not available to us music wise because of, um, we got into disco, and I knew about disco. Well, I was, I was doing disco for 12, 14 years ago. And um, they started the discos in Europe. And they discontinued them, and we're still into into you know and, uh, this country, Japan, discos. They want to see entertainment in Europe, man. You know, they are they into what we used to be into. You know, like you go do a show, man. People are yelling and screaming, and the energy is high. You know. You like that kind of audience? That's what it's about, man. Show business is show business. If you want to go to when you go to church, you should go to church. When you go to the deal to see a show, you go to see a show. So you know, you know. Well, being morning, you shouldn't go to see a show. James, uh, you have total control, at least from my knowledge, of your recorded product, including your old records. Uh, are there any plans to uh, re-release any of those albums, which are now considered classics of rock and roll history? Well, they are. We released a Sex Machine. Um, Good for us to release. Uh, Live the Apollo will probably have a re-release re date. Both volumes and my soul classics. I got a lot of them. But we just, uh, like I said, finished doing uh, 16 tunes on uh, an album. Uh, uh, can't give you out the title now, but uh, we had 91 mics on the band. And that's the most extraordinary sound I've ever heard in my life. All the things I was trying to captivate years ago and arguing with the engineers about, they got it now, okay? And it's like tonight, okay, we got the, bike, the band amplified and mic, but you won't hear. 60% of the stuff that should be coming out, you won't hear, you know? There's no way to catch it, you know? Because if you isolate everything, then uh, you'll miss some of the overtones, you know? But there, they got it all, man. They got everything. To hear that sound, I can't even wait till it come out, you know? I'm listening to the stuff I got now, you know, which is, Brad Shapiro did a fantastic job. I mean, beautiful studio sound, you know. Got a thing on there called that, the funk floor, I think it's fantastic, you know. Out of engineering work, it's, uh, it's really a uh, head shrink in the head, you know. It's really take it to all time high. But uh, to hear that live stuff and let you feel life again, 
coming for a record, you know. I just can't wait until that live album comes out. James, can you work up the kind of soul in the studio recording that you can when you're working in front of an audience that is going crazy? No way. But what I can do, I can uh, come out of a rehearsal. We can have a regular rehearsal, then I can record. And then I'll get the feeling, because I'll even get it from the people, our own members, you know. Uh, we had just finished the recording session when I recorded Get On The Good Foot. You know? And then uh, I had just finished doing a show when I recorded Sex Machine. Like, just finished doing an a, a engagement and then two o'clock in the morning we go in the studio. I wrote the lyrics on the back of a, of a placard, you know. So this is what real life is about, you know. Keep close to that energy and then you That's right. Yeah, we think just finished having a rap session and I walked in and cut hot pants and, and Sex Machine. You know, I mean, not that hot pants and um, uh, escapism, things like that. I mean, this is what it's about. You know. Doing a recording session, we cut popcorn. You know, I'm doing a record rehearsal, we cut popcorn. But this is being like right on the spot and stuff. You know. This new recording technology that everybody's talking about, digital with the digital mastering and digital recording. You think this is going to make a big difference in your music? Let's say all of the artists. Uh, it's nice to have an artist that knows. I made it a point to know yeah. because I invented most of the stuff that you, the sounds that you're trying to get now, I started the most of them. They thought I was crazy then. I remember we, were, we recorded uh, Let Yourself Go Live on the stage one day before rehearsal. And uh, part of the live album. Been live and at the, at the Royal Theater, we would cut a lot of it on the stage in the daytime during rehearsal before the show that night. But the digital recording is very good if you got an engineer to understand. But I, I prefer, okay, the cat riding the dial. Other than trying to build it up, I prefer to cut it extemporaneous right off the top. Can't you can grab, you know, five. So you're not looking to sterilize that. Make it so pure and so clean that it's, it's not real. This, right. It's not real. Something about the earth. It's like having a substitute for sweat. Do you still play the drums in the organ? I'll play them sometime. Yeah. Sometimes I play the organ. I do it all. Thank God. We better let you get to your show. Thanks yeah, a lot. Lots of God bless you. I just wanted to ask you, might you be interested in picture, the pictures you saw or anything? After this is my manager, and, oh. and I think I'm going to have a thing out there.